the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Everything starts breaking right when the Chris Salcedo Show comes on the air. Uh, welcome, everybody. Glad you've uh, made it to the program. And it's not a mechanism of me. It's just the way the universe appears to be working in the era of Trump. It, it, it just flies fast and furiously, folks. So we're going to be making every attempt to get you caught up, up to the minute stuff. Uh, it, it's, it's coming in so fast and furiously, folks, that we are not uh, able at this point to go live on Facebook Live. Not only do we have technical issues, but also because we were working right up until air to get you the latest on the Obamacare repeal effort. It's just putting some uh, crimps in the system, if you will. So we'll start off here by letting you know this is the Chris Salcedo Show, 888 That is the phone number. Again, 888 if you want to weigh in. Healthcare is going on. President Trump on Twitter confirming he didn't tape James Comey, although he can't he can't uh, vouch for all the leakers and all of the anti-Trumpers inside of the federal government. But he says he didn't. So that's all going on today as well. We'll get into that coming up on the Salcedo Show. Catching it live, theblaze.com slash radio. Blaze Radio smartphone app, the iHeartRadio app, on-demand listening for you, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And let's see, oh yes, social media. First up, the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. Many of you found that yesterday. Just go to Facebook, type in the Chris Salcedo Show. On Twitter, at Chris Salcedo TX, at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, as in Texas. And of course, theblaze.com and the channels section, blaze.com channels. Okay, so the Republicans in the Senate come out today with their version of health care repeal, and I'm sorry to say replace. You guys know how I feel about this. I do not think it is in the country's best interests or consistent with conservatism that accepts that we need another government entitlement here without cutting other government entitlements, in particular the ones that are that don't work, that don't fulfill their intended mandate. Nobody ever cuts government. The last thing we needed with a $20 trillion debt was to add yet another entitlement. Oh, sure, government will pay for it, which is another way of saying, oh, sure, the taxpayers will pay for it. Now, all of this being said, let me give you something we just tweeted out before the show about um, about this offering. I'm trying to find it because I just had it here a second ago. Uh, where did it go? Goodness sakes. There was a, there's a guy that is a, uh, shall we say, an expert on healthcare, uh, writes about it quite, quite frequently in Forbes and other publications. And he is giving his evaluation on what uh, this offering by the Democrats 
is all about. Now, look, I, let me say this. I am not uh, at all convinced that this is the end-all, be-all. As a matter of fact, when I, when I put in the promo for yesterday, I was telling conservatives, hey, get ready. This isn't going to be at all what we want it to be. Instead, this is going to be a more liberal version of what the House of Representatives put up, and the House of Representatives put up something that was that was pretty dang liberal. And what I had encouraged or wanted was a, and I understand this is the way they have to do it to get past reconciliation. Uh, these arcane Senate rules that allow the Democrats to, you know, what really ticks me off about this is that the Democrats were able to shove this law down our throat through reconciliation and then a straight out vote but they weren't able to but but we're not able to repeal the dang thing with straight reconciliation so that's a bit frustrating i mean if it was a two now i for the longest time i was of a mind that reconciliation was the way that the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle was put in there, but it was a two-step process. There was reconciliation to get all the money stuff put in, and then there was another simple majority vote for the, the affirming of everything else associated with, Obama, with Obamacare. That's, that's all you would need now, the reconciliation portion and then a simple uh, majority vote, a two-part it's had, well, that's how it's been explained to me. A simple two-part, a one-two punch. A lot of us aren't really enamored with that because we really don't trust the Republican leadership, but hey, it's the only leadership you got, right? The guy I was speaking of, by the way, the uh, medical expert, was a guy by the name of uh, Avik Roy. And Avik Roy says he's read it, all 131, 132 pages. Finished reading the new Senate Health care bill, put simply, if it passes, it'll be the greatest policy achievement by a GOP Congress in my lifetime. Now, that's what he says. Now, he writes for Forbes, and you've seen him on NBC. That, that NBC, once in a while, does get credible individuals as guests on. He also wrote this, that means testing and age-adjusted tax credits they're in the Senate bill. So that means you won't be getting any, if you're a multimillionaire, you're not going to be getting any subsidies for your health care from the federal government. Which I kind of like. Which I like a lot. So we'll see. Now look, this is raw audio I'm pulling down. Instead of the flip around, I'm going to start off with this raw audio and I'll probably only get to a, a portion of it because I'll probably start and stop at several points. This is raw audio of Senator Ted Cruz who was cornered by the cameras in the, uh, the halls of Congress and was asked about the... the un now, he was part of the working group that put together this bill. And this is what Senator Cruz had to say about it. He is part of the working group. Indeed, starting four months ago, Lamar Alexander and I worked to bring together a working group initially of six senators uh, that ran the full spectrum of the ideological 
differences among the conference, and we've been working collaboratively that entire time trying to solve the problems, uh, the underlying problems in healthcare. Uh, this current draft doesn't get the job done, uh, but I believe we can get to yes. I believe we can get this done. There is an agreement to be reached, uh, and I have been for the last five months working around the clock to get to that agreement. Uh, and I still believe we can get there. The key to getting an agreement, to getting a bill that can pass, is we need common sense reforms in the bill that lower the cost of premiums. The single biggest reason that so many people are unhappy with Obamacare, that are hurting under Obamacare, is because it's caused premiums to skyrocket. When, when I'm home in Texas, I hear over and over again from Texans who say, I can't afford health insurance because of Obamacare. We've got to fix that. Now, look, that's that's part and parcel of the, the story being told of Obamacare all over the country. That's not just in Texas. Um, I just read in Iowa there. They they have only one choice in Iowa and their premiums. If that if that one company is going to stay their one choice, if they're going to stay. Guess what? They want a thirty five percent no, sorry. Was it 35? No, it was, it was 43. 43% increase in premiums just this year for just one year. So that those are the joys of Obamacare being felt by, by individuals all over this country. So it's, it's not a great law. It's not a good law. And we have been saddled and burdened with it for far too long. Look, I ideologically speaking, I think this law, uh, the law needs to go, and we do not need another government entitlement here. We just don't. Uh, we have so many other entitlements that are failing, that are bureaucratic nightmares, that, that service only those in government. And they don't service the people that they're supposed to serve so i i just reject the whole notion that we necessarily need another entitlement here and i'm what i'm hoping beyond hope is that somebody will come to their senses inside of the gop and come up with a plan that is designed to restore the market and then get government the hell out of it. Government does nothing but screw it up. And what I mean by it, everything typically that it touches government. So uh, can anybody think of a government program that exists where things are better, where things are that were made less expensive, more available, more efficient, better use of taxpayer money. Can anybody name the government program that does that? Uh, no. I don't think you can. I don't think anybody can because it doesn't happen. It never happens. Government should be regarded as a necessary evil. Period. End of sentence. A necessary evil. 
and you should limit its exposure to you as much as you possibly can. The progressive notion that, wow, gee, this uh, Constitution gets in our way, that prevents government from doing things for you. Yes, it also prevents that same government from doing stuff to you. So, look, um, I'll have more of Ted Cruz the other side of the break. We'll bring in the Facebook livers right here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Be right back on The Blaze. He is quickly becoming the left's favorite pinata. Only problem is, this pinata hits back. Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. Salcedo. All right, welcome back, everybody. Facebook Live bringing you guys into the conversation right now. We, uh, uh, because of technical difficulties and because of just everything tending to break right when we start the show, uh, we weren't able to get Facebook Live going right off the bat. So here we are, uh, health care being offered, uh, repeal effort being offered by the Republicans. Unfortunately, it's going to have a replace element in it. And the reason why I say unfortunately is because The conservative doesn't believe we need another failed entitlement here. Think about all of the entitlement programs across this government that that are responsible for $20 trillion in national debt. Have they cured poverty? Have they stopped all of these negative effects that, that they were allegedly founded to help? No, as a matter of fact, all they've done is grow government and they've exacerbated a lot of these problems. The welfare system is a prime example. So now all of a sudden we have this idea that of course government must be there to facilitate health care for you and your family. And no, it's a service just like any other service. If we have government's primary job in this whole situation is to provide a competitive market free of monopolies, and that's it. That's all. Get out. Uh, Ted Cruz was cornered uh, just before this program got underway. He has a no vote so far and what the Republicans have put out there. Uh, Avik Roy, who is a, a, a medical expert, I guess, writes about it a lot with Forbes. He says he likes this thing. He says it's the, it's the greatest achievement if it was passed as is the Republicans have ever done in his lifetime. I don't know about that. I can't read legalese, and so I'm, I'm trying to book on experts, experts that can, they can read through all of this legislative language for you. But let me just, I looked over the bill a little bit earlier, and here's what I saw. A lot of it operates within the confines of Obamacare. And I understand... There is a reason for that partially, I believe, because of reconciliation, which means if it has something to do with the budget, it has to be done in a certain way so the Democrats won't be able to stand in the way because Mitch McConnell's unwilling to pull the uh, nuclear option on legislation. So at any rate, 
that's where we are right now. And here's what I saw inside of this text. A lot of amendments, a lot of tweaking, very few keywords repeal. I was looking for a lot of repeals, and I only saw a couple of instances on a, on a cursory examination of the 132-page document. So anyway, uh, the reporters caught up with Ted Cruz. Here are some of the things that he had to say. The current draft circulated this morning doesn't do nearly enough to lower the cost of premiums, but there are a number of common sense reforms that have wide agreement within the Republican conference that we can include and I think we should include. Can you talk about the amendments that you Well, one of the suggestions that I put forth is, is what I call the Consumer Freedom Agreement that says that if an insurance company is offering a health insurance plan in a state that is consistent with the Title I mandates, that insurance company can also sell in that state any other plan that consumers desire. What that would have the effect of doing is immediately dropping the cost of premiums. You know, when we met with leaders of insurance companies and we asked, as I've asked them repeatedly, what is the most important piece for lowering premiums? The answer that we consistently hear is let us sell the policies consumers want to buy. Yeah, uh, I have a big problem with talking with insurance companies. I don't trust insurance companies. Uh, they, these same insurance companies, I want you all to understand this. The insurance companies with whom Mr. Mr. Cruz had conversations with uh, jumped in bed with Barack Obama. I will never forgive the insurance industry, the betrayal of the American people, when they conspired with that leftist, with resident Barack Obama, to force you and to force me to buy their product. Think about, I, just, just think about that. Where the nature of government was fundamentally changed. The American government. Now, trust me, there are governments all over the planet where the government tells the people what to do. That's not America. That's not who, let me, let me, parrot, let me just parrot Barack Obama. Let me be clear, that's not who we are. Of course, Barack Obama didn't know what the hell he was talking about when he was talking about who we are. Let me tell you who we are. We are a people with a government, not the other way around. That's who we are. We tell them what to do. They don't tell us what to do. The very idea that government could force us to buy a product, force us to dig down in our pockets and pay for not only a more expensive product, which Obamacare so graciously imposed on us, but also a crappier version of that product. And here were the traitorous insurance companies rubbing their all. Oh, they couldn't wait to get their greedy mitts on your money. And they jumped in bed with resident Obama to do that to you and me. I'll never forgive them. I will never forgive those betrayers of free enterprise, of capitalism. Oh, by the way, that's up Ellie telling me we've got one minute left for all you folks on, on Facebook Live. So I will never forgive those, those individuals. I, I do not want any bill that says, gee, we've got to make sure that the insurance companies uh, survive. You know what I want? I want a bill that's directed right at the consumer. Our benefit, not theirs, ours. And you know what? I, I like the whole idea of fee for service. Fee for service, you and your doc, me and my doc and nobody else. 
The best thing I can think of the insurance company, the best future I can think of for the insurance companies is catastrophic loss and only catastrophic loss, meaning you get hit by a bus, you get the, the cancer diagnosis, and that's the only time you use insurance. As a matter of fact, I think that's the definition of real insurance. We'll talk more about this. Facebook Live, join us in a little bit. Be right back. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo show. All right, folks, welcome back. Uh, I, we're going to talk later today with a doctor who happens to be a member of Congress, Michael Burgess, and uh, get his take, shall we say, on uh, on what's being debated over there in the Senate. I I'm not sure he's had much time to look at it. Again, I I have only had a, an opportunity to browse through the text. And like I said, I wish I spoke legalese. I just don't. And sometimes, you know, I think they make things like that way on uh, that way on purpose. I just don't think they want us to know uh, what's exactly going on. So uh, and I know that there is a practical side to writing in legislative language as well. But uh, I'm, I'm trying to get you guys as much feedback as I possibly can. I already told you about Avik Roy, who loves the dang thing. Uh, I am skeptical because I know the nature of the Senate. I know that they they tend not to have our best interests at heart. They tend to look after their own interests there in their little fiefdoms, and they lean left. Even, Even among the Republican Party, they lean left. Few conservatives in the United States Senate. And that's that is to the country's detriment. Uh, but there is one conservative and he's so far a no vote. It's Ted Cruz. Reporters caught up with him. Let's uh, pick up the conversation partially where we left off. To buy. What that would enable people to do is buy low cost catastrophic policies and enable people who don't have insurance right now because they can't afford it to be able to afford insurance. And it doesn't take anything away from anyone. Instead, it adds additional choices, more choices, more competition. See that. Ted Cruz, I have said this before. I have very little daylight between the Chris Salcedo show, my personal policies, my personal politics, uh, politics, and and those of Senator Ted Cruz. What? Just before we went to the break, those were exactly the points that I made. You guys realize? Let me let me give you guys an education. Maybe you guys don't know, don't know this because if you watch uh, members of the Basket of Bias press, they won't tell you this, but. Catastrophic loss uh, health insurance policies, catastrophic loss health policies used to be abundant, used to be cheap. Why? Because actuarially speaking, meaning that when you look at the actuarial tables, the the eventuality of, of being paid off was relatively low, meaning the statistics of payouts, which is, this is all stats, folks. This is how insurance companies make actuarial tables, the probability that they'll have to pay off. So when one purchases a catastrophic loss, meaning getting diagnosed with cancer, meaning getting hit by a bus, massive, 
medical issues. And Obama said, let me be clear, nobody should ever go bankrupt because they get sick. Everybody agreed with him. I agree with him. Now, his solution was, that means uh, government must take over all health care, which is complete and utter idiocy. Obamacare, what was the last estimate I saw? 2.9, nearly $3 trillion over 10 years will be the cost of this monstrosity. And we still have 29 million people still uninsured. And remember, the, the case for Obamacare was 44 million people were uninsured. Well, for crying out loud, 14 million of those didn't want to be insured. They didn't want, they, they want, didn't have a choice. Or they had a choice, and they didn't. They they chose not to be insured. They could afford it. They just chose not to. So the universe of people we were talking about was thirty million folks. Thirty million folks who wanted insurance but couldn't afford it. And after Obamacare, and after trillions of dollars, guess what? There are twenty nine million folks still uninsured. But government's in charge now. Government's in charge now. And that's the difference. That's why healthcare costs are skyrocketing. That's why you only have a, a one choice or no choices, depending on where you live in this country. It's why you have insurance you can't use. It's why deductibles are through the roof. Basically what they did, folks, is they took that inexpensive catastrophic loss policy and drove the price through the roof to pay for other folks. That's exactly what they did. These same catastrophic loss policies are what you're paying for right now in Obamacare, but it's costing you tons more money. And the American people, tons more money. Why? Because younger, more youthful folks around this country are now subsidizing older and sicker folks through the force of government. That's why. That's why. All you millennials, you're getting hosed courtesy of the Democrat Party and their leader, Barack Obama. You're getting hosed. And then here comes Ted Cruz as to why he's not, why he's not on board with the, the Republican offering thus far, saying, you know, we need to do, we need to resurrect the market. Exactly what I was saying. This is what I'll talk with Congressman Burgess about. I'll, is there any chance that we can repeal Obamacare and then set up a, a series of legislation that will be a have sunset provisions that will be strategically placed to get government the heck out of healthcare. Get it out. It has no place there, no business there. The and I've told you guys the only aspect of Obamacare that is good is that it's bankrupting traitorous insurance companies. That's the only good thing about it. And now that you've got Donald Trump who's not enforcing the individual mandate the traitorous insurance companies will go bankrupt even sooner oh but y'all say no they, they employ so many people the traders insurance companies you can't be against yes i can't be against them yes i they betrayed you and me and jumped in bed with obama they looked at your bottom line and said i don't care about those people. I just want their money. And now I've got government. Now government is pledging to force them to give me their money. These 
healthcare CEOs. They want your cash and now they don't have to do a damn thing to earn it. We're just an insurance company <laughs> on the Obamacare exchanges. <laughs> oh, pay me. It's the law. Pay me. I will never, ever forgive them. These traitors of free enterprise. These betrayers of capitalism. These sellouts to socialism. I will never forgive them. That's why, again, I'm not interested in whether or not the insurance companies survive. I could give two you-know-whats if they survive. Don't care. Don't care. The only relationship that I am interested in preserving is the relationship between patient and doctor and resetting this market without insurance companies, without individuals in between us and our doctors, without government in between we the people and our doctors and without insurance companies between we the people and our doctors. Because right now I have a hard time telling the difference between government and insurance companies. I have a real hard time telling the difference between Elizabeth Warren's type of government and insurance companies. They all have the same goal, to get their hands on your money. More options, lower prices. That's what consumers want, and it's what the Republican majority should give to them. Senator, earlier on you said it was important that these things not be negotiated in the media. Why are you coming forward publicly with your complaints about the bill now? Well, look, this, this has been an ongoing process. We have had a long, deliberative process. Early on, the, the working group uh, met for over a month with no leaks to the media. We met right next door, right in that conference room in my office. Uh, working to come together. We've made a lot of progress. There's a lot of agreement. Yeah, and besides, it's out now. What? Uh, it's been unveiled. It's there. What? I can't talk about it now? That doesn't make any sense. What it was being formulated, when it was being developed, Ted Cruz wasn't talking about it at all in front of the cameras, was he? No leaks. Uh, not all of that agreement is reflected in the current draft. Um, we're at a different stage. There's now a bill draft that is public. And so there has been a lot of public debate on Obamacare for the last seven years. And, and, and there will continue to be debate. We can get this done. Folks, I... Is it, I, 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 sometimes I, I'm a little scared of how much in sync I am with Ted Cruz. I, this, what I'm playing for you right now, I haven't heard ahead of time. I pulled this down. Ask Ellie. I pulled this down literally before we started the show. I, I am listening to it the first time as you and I are listening to it. And I'm playing it. I haven't heard this stuff before. So on a couple of occasions already, I've said stuff that, that Ted Cruz comes right out and says a few seconds later. That's why I know I'm on the right track. I've always believed in, in Ted Cruz and his conservative credentials. And I know, I know a lot of you, a lot of you folks who are conservatives out there are going to say, well, he's supporting Trump and Trump's not a conservative. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I'm supporting Trump too. Why? You know why? Because I like the idea of the wall. I like the idea of law and order. I like the idea of a reform tax code. I like the idea of repealing Obamacare. I like the idea of a strong military. That's why I'm supporting Donald Trump. Because I know there would have been none of that if Hillary Clinton had won the day. None of it. 
the decay of America would have continued. I am 100% certain of that. We can get to yes, but the key to getting it done, to getting to yes, is we need common sense reforms that lower the cost of premiums so that health insurance is more affordable for families who are struggling. Senator Cruz, are you making yourself, you know, people sometimes when we get to these big bills, they put themselves in play. It doesn't do this provision or whatever, and then, it, you know, you, you can trade horses and maybe get those things, and it's good optics. I fought for this, look what I got. Is none of that going on here? These are just things that, that, that you are opposed or do you think that by saying no, that they will come to you and say, maybe we can help you on this issue, maybe help you on this issue, and maybe get you to yes? You know, I- well, before he answers, it's a negotiation. R- remember, folks, there are four senators who are already saying there are no on this, on this legislation. You know how many they can lose? They can only lose two. So the leadership on the Republican side in the Senate, they're gonna, they have some decisions to make. Uh, which one of these senators do we go to and... And cave to get to get on board. Which one? Which two? Actually, there are already there are four no votes that we know of so far. Ted Cruz is one of them. So of course they're gonna they're gonna come to him and say, "What can we do to get your vote?" Um, what a silly question. I mean, to to, to make you to make him look good? No, this is this is all part of negotiation. Ted Cruz represents the great state of Texas. And there are a lot of people in Texas who want something real and substantive out of the Senate to go to conference with the House and a real repeal bill that gets us on a course to a sustainable situation as far as health care is concerned. A free market, might I say, situation. I think I can speak for the majority of Texans on that. So, of, of course... This is going to be somewhat of an opening bid. And of course, Ted Cruz is going to get out there and say, this is what I want. I have been clear from day one that I want to get to yes. When I ran for Senate, I campaigned on repealing Obamacare. It was the central promise of the campaign. In my time in the Senate, nobody has fought harder against Obamacare than I have. True. Back in a minute, Chris Salcedo show here on The Blaze. You are listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, only got a few minutes here, uh, folks. But let me just, I'm looking at the text of the bill now, and I just typed in the word repeal. Uh, Repeal of tax on employer health insurance premiums and health plan benefits. That's good news. Uh, You continue to scroll and you continue to look for the word repeal. And it's, it's in there, but this whole thing reads like this. Uh, repeal of chronic care tax in general subsection a of section 213 of internal revenue code 1986 is amended by striking 10% and inserting 7.5%. See, you have to know all the, all the other codes of reference. It's, it's, it makes reference to the house version of repeal and replace. It makes reference to arcane sections of the tax code. It is, it is just, rife with this kind of stuff and some and it's hard for the average citizen and i am one such citizen that doesn't who doesn't speak legalese uh 
uh, it's hard to to make heads or tails of this. But let me see if I can find more instances of repeal. Uh, enter. No, it's not. It's not let me do it. Anyway, so long story short, yeah, eighteen mentions of the word repeal. Eighteen mentions in a one hundred and thirty-two page document. Repeal of tax on health savings accounts. So you know, you remember President Obama wanted to tax your health care savings accounts. That's gone in this bill, which I can support. Repeal of limitations on contributions to flexible, flexible spending accounts. Okay, so they, they wanted to limit how much you could save of your own money. They, uh, Obama wanted you dependent on government. Uh, repeal of tax on prescription medications. <laughs> there, I, I, I didn't realize there was a tax on prescription medications. Uh, repeal of medical device excise tax. Everybody, even Democrats want to get rid of that all right folks uh we've got more to talk about congressman burgess up first and then jay johnson's testimony i think he gave away way too much about what was behind barack obama's investigating of trump individuals you're listening to the chris salcedo show part of generation blaze on the blaze radio network Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Whatever final bill is produced should be available to the American public and to members of the Senate, certainly for enough time to come to grips with it. That's Chuck Schumer uh, disingenuously attacking a bill that he has no intention of voting for and has said that no Democrat should be a part of. But he's now he's upset. He's he's whining that no Democrat was considered to form this health care repeal bill, Obamacare repeal bill inside of uh, a Senate Senate uh, working group, I suppose. Let's talk more about this uh, and about the overall issues concerning the repeal of Obamacare with Congressman and Dr. Michael Burgess. He has represented the 26th District of the great state of Texas since 2003, currently serving on the prestigious House Energy and Commerce Committee and as chairman of the Subcommittee on Commerce, Manufacturing and Trade, also a member of the Rules Committee. Dr. Burgess founded and is currently serving as co-chair of the Congressional Health Caucus. Congressman, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Well, Chris, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. It's a great pleasure to talk with you. Uh, first off, uh, let's talk about the, the health care law that's being debated right now uh, inside of this inside of the Senate. Let me just let me just be plain. You know that I am I'm very much against the idea of replace. I'm all for repeal, but I think any replace effort ought to have a sunset provision that so that the, re, the repeal effort allows us to restore the free market and then government gets out of the way. Give me your honest appraisal. Do you think I'm going to get my wish or have Senate Republicans and a majority of the, the congressional uh, Repu- uh, the, the House Republicans, have they conceded that we need an entitlement here? No to the last part of your question, but also, mm-hmm. unfortunately, no to the first part of your statement as well. That is a sunset provision included in the law. 
But this is what I want to stress to you, Chris, and I, I know I get a lot of criticism from people who say, oh, this is not going far enough, the, the bill that we passed out of the House. I, I just printed off the Senate bill. It's only 170-odd pages, so I expect to be able to read through it before the, the day ends. Uh, but I suspect it did not get more conservative as it went through the Senate process. That's just the way things are. But I will tell you this. This is the first step of many steps. It's the first step down the path of accomplishing what you are requesting, which is bringing back more market sensitivity to our health care system, which, of course, was completely lost with the passage of, of the Affordable Care Act. This is the first step of many, and there will be there will be some measures that continue to be under reconciliation, that continue to be partisan exercises. There will be some that will be bipartisan. There are things in the Affordable Care Act that Democrats don't like that they would want us to repeal. So I say, fine, give them their chance, and we will have those repeal votes on other aspects. This is the first step. This is not the conclusion. When Obamacare passed, that was it. There, there was no more discussion of health care. We had finished health care for time immemorial. Well, now with the passage of this bill, whenever it happens this week, next week, or the week after, it is the beginning of the process of undoing that, and it does move to accomplish what you wish, which is provide some market sensitivity into the health care into the healthcare marketplace. Somewhat, uh, Congressman, you know that the Republicans are victims of the last eight years, uh, and the the distrust of government when uh, the other party ran things has reached record highs. Poll after poll after poll shows that faith in America's institutions, when the Democrat Party ran things and, and arguably ran it into the ground, this whole idea that you're talking about of, of trust me government is, is completely, you can understand people's skepticism, yes? Sure. Which is why I would just submit it, which is why it is critical that even though it's not perfect, even though it does not accomplish the entire end game that you laid out, it is important to get started down that path. And how uncomfortable is it that six months after receiving the Senate, the House, and the White House, uh, we had 14 Congressional Review Acts that were signed by the president, which were all important, and I, I'm, I'm grateful that those passed, but the big-ticket big pieces of legislation are still bottled up in the legislative process, and that's unacceptable. We have now, a president you, who wants to work with us, and yeah. we won't work and send him the work product. That is you unacceptable. Men you mentioned 107 pages. Really quickly, uh, what provisions did, did, you, did you go, hmm, I wonder what that's all about, because you said it's less conservative than the House version. What's giving yeah. you pause just by your, your quick browsing of the bill? Well, I, I, I literally just got it off the printer when I had to walk over here to, uh, to make this call. So I, um, th there are, I'm sure there are things that are going to concern me. There's, there's just no question about that. We, we talked about uh, on the, you know, there are so few moving parts under reconciliation. And I know people don't want to hear about reconciliation in the Senate procedure. I don't like to talk about it. Uh, Tom DeLay once warned me you can never... You can never legislate from the House side trying to legislate to Senate rules. But still, that's, uh, that's kind of the world we're in right now. So the only moving parts were the taxes, the mandates, uh, to some degree the Medicaid expansion. So those are the things that are going to be, uh, those are the things that are going to be adjusted, if you will, to, uh, to get the Senate votes, to get the CBO score, to get the House votes. Those are the things that are going to be adjusted. You will see significant activity next week. The Senate will go through an almost 24-hour 
uh, um, markup in the whole Senate, in the Senate floor, where any wow. Senate can offer any senator can offer an amendment. So there will, you know, the people say, oh, you're not given enough time. There's going to be a lot of time for people to offer amendments. And there'll be some amendments that uh, will be uncomfortable for people to vote against in their, representing their states. But that is, uh, that, in the end product, remember, still has to pass the House after it gets done over there. Or we sure. work on it and change it and send it back to them. All right, Congressman and Dr. Michael Burgess, our guest right now here on the Chris Salcedo Show, folks. Let me change uh, topics here because... Uh, the violent atmosphere up on Capitol Hill uh, has has taken the, the nation's attention since the shooting last week. Uh, a crazed Bernie Sanders supporter targeting to kill uh, members of your party, sir, of the Republican Party. Yep. Scott Pelley, a former uh, anchor with CBS uh, Evening News, blamed yep. the GOP for that crazed liberal shooting at them. James Devine, a Democrat strategist, says... Uh, that uh, folks should hunt the GOP. The liberal group Antifa is calling for violence against Trump supporters and capitalists. And of course, the shooter, Hodgkinson, uh, his unhinged rampage. I want to play something for you from your yes, colleague Jason Chaffetz from his, from his office this morning. Have a listen to this. Yes, sir. We're going to hunt your down, bump a rope around your neck, and hang you from a lamppost. It's Jason Chaffetz. We the people think that the best solution is to kill you. You have only yeah. brought pain and suffering to the world. Let us pray. God Almighty, please let someone kill Jason Chaffetz very soon. Now, he went on to say that those people should be found and prosecuted. First off, I want to ask you, have you received death threats in your office? And have they been investigated? And have those individuals been prosecuted? Uh, yes to all of the above, but nothing recently. Okay. All right. And what is your opinion on the growing toxicity of our politics? Well, it's our, you know, our politics has always been, uh, historically, that there's, there's always been a, a pretty robust discussion. It has changed since the, uh, the president was inaugurated, and it's almost as if there was permission given to one side to, be, uh, to, to veer into territory that you and I would never find acceptable in our political discourse. And I, I agree that that needs to change, and, and I think I'd, I'd respectfully disagree with Mr. Pelley and think I would be happy to tell him that he's wrong. Uh, the... I do not understand why the tape that Jason, Mr. Chaffetz uh, prepared and, and submitted was not uh, one that someone thought needed to be investigated. I suspect that likely will be rethought in the, in the next yeah. hours uh, now that he's made that public. Um, I'll just tell you when I have had situations where someone will call up and say, you ought to be killed, uh, but if they don't say, I'm going to kill you, then they, there's no action taken. And I, that may be too loose an interpretation of federal law. The sergeant-at-arms has encouraged us to, to bring things forward if we're concerned about them. And, and I think that's the right response. I do want to stress, I don't think we deserve any other additional protection than anyone else, and we ought to follow the laws of the land. Uh, I'd like to see reciprocity from concealed carry from states that allow it. But as yep. far as a car vote for members of Congress, I don't think we should give us a special deal. All right, Congressman Michael Burgess, everybody, 26th Congressional District, sir. appreciate your time. As always, when they start marking up that bill next week, we might want to get you back on. Always appreciate Absolutely. the time you give us here. I'm All at right. your disposal anytime. Thank you. 888 It's the Chris Salcedo Show. We, when we get back, let's jump into Jay Johnson's testimony yesterday. And I think the man revealed a little bit more than he wanted to about what was going on uh, in Team Obama's mind 
when they were openly investigating, or maybe deceptively, I should say, investigating Team Trump. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Conservative talk. Sam Spicy! This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. Donald Trump, the president of the United States, tweeting out the following. With all of the recently reported electronic surveillance, intercepts, unmasking and illegal leaking of information. I have no idea whether there are tapes or recordings of my conversations with James Comey, but I did not make and do not have any such recordings. (laughs) Uh, Remember Donald Trump, the president saying, all you people in the press aren't going to like this. You're not going to like the answer to this. And uh, I would speculate since these these leakers these illegal leakers are highly regarded amongst the press these felons are highly regarded among the press <laughs> that th- this series of tweets by the real Donald Trump potus president of the united states is not sitting well with them but that's making news today uh, and I'm happy to pass on that news on the Chris Alcedo show. By the way, uh, they're having a fit over at CNN, I hear, that today's press briefing was audio only, no cameras. Well, what's the problem, CNN? What's the problem? I just set up a tape recorder. No problem. No, I understand you're a visual medium. I understand that it doesn't fit in with your agenda, but I don't want the country to be run with CNN's agenda in mind. Don't really care. Fox didn't complain. I'm I'm sure MSNBS did, but um, they're just moving right along. If anything newsworthy came out of it, I'm sure that uh, the audio would suffice. I mean, the information was there. You got your access. What are you moaning about? What are you complaining about? (laughs) as a matter of fact we in conservative talk radio find it uh wholly acceptable love it no even if they went to just you know written word we're okay with that what's the matter cnn (laughs) sorry uh let's 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 change to the uh the leader of the basket of bias and their favorite topic which is, of course, the the show trials, the show hearings that are going on right now. Now, the reason I didn't get to these sound bites the day they happened or the day after they happened was because the day after this all went came down was the shooting in Virginia. So it kind of put this all on hold. But I have been on record, and I said this, and I was very happy to have Charles Krauthammer echo the sentiments. And we used as evidence the fact that Democrats, whenever they get Trump officials or or, uh, officials in front of their committees, they never ask about Russia. They never ask about what Russia did, how extensive was it, how, why was this unprecedented? All they are interested in talking about is Trump. 
Trump associates, Trump this, Trump, 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 Trump. That's all, that's all they ever ask about. In particular, Democrats are not interested in punishing Russia. Have you guys noticed that? Has Chucky Schumer or Nancy Pelosi or any of the Elizabeth Warren, any of these Democrats expressed any interest whatsoever in punishing Russia for interfering in our elections? Why, no, they have not. You know, if I were Donald Trump, I'd come out with a press conference tomorrow and say, you know, I've been hearing the Democrats, they're, they're very upset that the Russians interfered in our elections. Um, I am looking for the Democrats to join me in military reprisal against, against Russia to deter the Russians and any other country from interfering in our elections in the future. And I expect every single Democrat to support me. Every single Democrat to authorize it. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, folks, they, they don't want to stand up to Russia. Vladimir Putin's a former KGB guy, communist. They, 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 the, the Democrats have a lot more in common with Vladimir Putin than, than, um, than Trump does. It's, uh, I, I would, I'd love to call him to the carpet on it. Here's a Charles Krauthammer echoing your liberty-loving Latino. Listen to this. And you really have to ask yourself, uh, just measure the distance between our hearings today, and it'll be about how many times did you meet with the Russian ambassador, etc. And what was supposed to be the original issue, Russian meddling in this election, about which every Democratic senator in the hearings last week was unbelievably sanctimonious as if the future of the republic hinged on this. Uh, they're, they're barely interested in it at all. This is a, a battering ram for attacking this president. Yep, it's exactly what it is. It's a political maneuver putting the nation at risk so Democrats can have a political advantage. Period, end of sentence. They're willing to do damage, real damage to the United States of America. In an effort to, in an effort to hurt Trump, Tom Cotton reminded Democrats of what their alleged purpose for all of their caterwauling the last six, seven months has been about. I am on the side of the dais, so a very simple question that should be asked is: Did Donald Trump or any of his associates in the campaign collude with Russia in hacking those emails and releasing them to the public? That's where we started six months ago. We have now heard from six of the eight Democrats in this committee, and to my knowledge, I don't think a single one of them asked that question. They didn't. They didn't because they don't want to know. They don't want to know. They don't care. They don't want to punish Russia. Hell, how these Democrats were around during the Kennedy. Kennedy, they're the lion of the Senate. Ted Kennedy conspired with the Russians, to unseat Ronald Reagan. Democrats have a long history of colluding with the Soviets or left-wing governments all over the planet to harm the United States or to harm the electoral prospects of the opposing party. Long tradition here. You know, uh, Newt Gingrich came out yesterday, or day before last, and said, you know what I think we ought to do? We ought to be investigating every nation's influence 
on our politics. Just how many Democrats have been meeting with Russians? Just how many Democrats have been meeting with all of these other these other foreign officials? And by the way, Hillary Clinton perfected this. She turned all of that into cash when she was uh, heading up uh, the, the uh, State Department. Uh, so I, I, I think if Donald Trump were eager to take this to the next level, think, you know what, I think we ought to really, we really ought to investigate. As a matter of fact, I'm calling on Republicans to call investigations into how many members of Congress have had meetings with foreign ambassadors. How, how many other countries have tried to influence America's elections? And by the way, Jay Johnson let the cat out of the bag yesterday, and I'll play that for you. Coming up, uh, Trey Gowdy got Jay Johnson to admit that the Russians have been trying to influence our elections for years, dating back to the Soviet era. Well, it's something we already knew. And this, this was no surprise to anybody. As a matter of fact, they, inter- they tried to interfere in our election when Barack Obama was elected. Odd that nobody called for investigations back then. Gee, I wonder why. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, so uh, before I leave uh, Senator Cotton, he and and Senator Sessions had a really good time mocking the Democrats because you guys remember that there was a thir- alleged third incident where <gasps> Senator Sessions, then Senator Sessions, met with Ambassador Kislyak, which of course every Democrat has done, which of course so many Republicans have done. And it's not nefarious. Never has been considered nefarious. So (laughs) there was a meeting, and this is how the the basket of biased press and Democrats classified it, a quote-unquote meeting, between Kislyak and then Senator Sessions at the Mayflower Hotel. Now, the only problem with this meeting was it was an open event that Kislyak and Sessions happened to be at together. They, Sessions says he has no idea that Kislyak was going to even be there. And he, he doesn't even remember even talking to the guy. As a matter of fact, he had just as much interaction with Kislyak as I'm assuming other lawmakers did who were there. So uh, have a listen to, to this. This is, again, Senator Tom Cotton and the Attorney General Jeff Sessions making fun of Democrats and what they want us all to believe happened at the Mayflower and the uh, the, the, the amount of quote-unquote collusion between Trumpers and the Russian government. What do we think happened at the Mayflower? M- Mr. Sessions, are, are you familiar with what spies called tradecraft? A little bit. That involves things like covert communications and dead drops and brush passes, right? That is part of it. Do you like spy fiction? John Le Carre, Daniel Silva, Jason Matthews? Yeah, Alan First, David Jason Ignatius. Bo- just Jason finished Bourne Ignatius's or, book. Do you, like, do you like Jason Bourne or James Bond movies? No. 
I do. <laughs> have, have you ever, in any of these fantastical situations, heard of a plot line so ridiculous that a sitting United States senator and an ambassador of a foreign government colluded at an open setting with hundreds of other people <laughs> to pull off the greatest caper in the history of espionage? Uh, of espionage. Uh, somebody's cough covered that last syllable, espionage. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, well, Senator Cotton's right. And, and can you folks imagine a scenario where uh, a sitting senator colluded a secret plot to destroy America's elections and put Donald Trump, the Manchurian candidate, in power? And they had clandestine meetings in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> I mean, if this is how you're conducting espionage, uh, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Let's just say that. So they're having so much fun. And then here comes Sessions. Thank you for saying that, uh, Senator Cotton. It's just like through the looking glass. I mean, what is this? I explained how, in good faith, I said I had not met with Russians because they were uh, suggesting I, as a surrogate, had been meeting continuously with Russians. I said I didn't meet with them. And now the next thing you know, uh, I'm accused of some reception uh, uh, plotting some sort of uh, influence campaign for the American election. Yeah, uh, it does strain credibility, doesn't it? So uh, Sessions and, and, and this, this does deserve mockery. The idea that there was collusion and then now obstruction. I think that it's a, it, a serious and, and, and I think we should throw the book at the Russians. I think I think Vladimir Putin should uh, should be forced to pay a steep price for trying to interfere with our elections. I, I truly and honestly do. So uh, Democrats don't want any part of that. All they want to do is beat up Trump. So I think we ought to call them on it. Now, Trey Gowdy had Jay Johnson in front of him in committee yesterday, got Jay Johnson to admit uh, the, the unusual, was it unusual for the Russians to, to try to influence our elections? Is that unusual? Russia has a history of cyber attacks against our country. Is that true? Yes. In our, the parlance of our former jobs, uh, Russia would be considered a career offender um, as it comes to seeking to undermine the foundations of our republic. They are constantly trying to attack the, the, the foundations and firmament of our republic. Is that fair? I think that's a fair statement. All right. So they're a career offender. Um, they have a history of cyber attacks on our country. Uh, we suspected before the as November others, election. Sir? As do others, by the way. Yes, sir. It is yes, sir. You're absolutely right. Again, uh, Newt Gingrich, and I completely agree, believe there needs, uh, needs to be a full investigation on how, how much influence other nations have had on Democrats and Republicans. But you see, Congress, both parties, they don't want to have that type of inquiry, do they? No, they'd rather just have these show, these show meetings, these show hearings to harm Trump, the never Trumpers and the Republican Party and the and the Democrats. Even even though there is, after a year of investigation, no evidence of any collusion. It's, it, it, it's not just them, but for purposes of this this morning, I want to focus on Russia. 
We suspected before the November elections that they might attack our voting infrastructure. Is that fair to say? Uh, yes. In fact, you warned that they were going to do so. I was very concerned that they would do so, which is why I kept issuing all these public statements. Yes, sir. All right. At the time you separated from service in January of 2017, you have seen no evidence that the Russians were successful at changing uh, voter tallies or voter totals. Correct. So the Russians attempted, but were not successful. The Russians attempted to influence our elections, but were not successful. Well, that's according to the incompetent former administration. Now, look, I, I, I will leave room for the possibility that Team Obama was so incompetent and so anti-American that they couldn't stop the Russians from influencing our elections. I, I could allow that. I could actually believe that. At the time you separated from service in January of 2017, had you seen any evidence that uh, Donald Trump or any member of his campaign colluded, conspired, or coordinated with the Russians or anyone else uh, to infiltrate or impact our uh, voter infrastructure? Um, not beyond uh, what has been out there open source. Open source, meaning in the press. And the press has come up with bubkiss with, with with zero zilch nada they have come up with nothing all they have is anonymous sources and even those anonymous sources have not said they have definitive proof that president trump colluded with the russians not even the anonymous people who get everything wrong have said that so that's one aspect trey gowdy also focused in on remember that server that was hacked at the DNC. There was an attempt made to infiltrate the Republican server at the RNC and an attempt made at the DNC and the DNC was successful. So you would imagine that the Democrats were all about getting justice, right? Director Johnson, I don't want to beat a dead horse, um, but I do think it's important. The last time you and I talked, I, I wasn't hundred percent sure, uh, but I've since had it confirmed. The DNC never turned the server over to law enforcement. Um, so, Twice now you have said that uh, you could have camped out in front of the DNC. And I would say in defense of you, it wouldn't have made any difference if you had, because uh, they weren't going to give you the server. So if you're investigating either from a law enforcement or from an intelligence standpoint, the hacking by a foreign hostile government, wouldn't you want the server? Wouldn't that help you, number one, identify who, who the attacker was? And if memory serves me... This was early in the summer of 2016 when we learned of the DNC hack. So if they had turned the server over to either you or Director Comey, maybe we would have known more and maybe there would have been more for you to report. Uh, so I guess what I'm asking you is why would the victim of a crime not turn over a server to the intelligence community or to law enforcement? I'm not going to argue with you, sir. Uh, that was a leading question and I'll agree to be led. <laughs> not even Jay Johnson could defend that. He didn't, he didn't want any part of it. He knows the Democrats were hiding something and he, he just wasn't going to get involved in the politics of that. Not even Obama's director of Homeland Security wanted to get involved and try to answer the question, hey, why didn't the Democrats 
turn over their server to the FBI for a full examination. Wonder why? Will that ever be answered from the, the very transparent Democrat Party? I doubt it. Up next, Jay Johnson. He gave uh, an answer that I think is really indicative of what is actually going on here and the reason why we're dealing with Russia, 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 even eight months later. Stick around. It's the Salcedo Show right here on The Blaze. Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. I gotta be honest, my jaw hit the floor when a Democrat by the name of Adam Schiff asked the following question of Jay Johnson. So that's happening in late summer, uh, mid to late summer. Why did it take the administration so long to make a public statement that a foreign adversary was trying to influence the American election? The statement didn't come until October. Uh, why did we wait from July till October to make that statement? It's a hell of a good question. Remember, Team Obama claimed they knew about Russian hacking the summer before the election. When did they announce it? October, a month before the election. Why wait so long? Well, Jay Johnson gives us a hint as to why. Well, Congressman, I'm going to disagree with your premise that there was some type of delay. Um... This was a big decision, and there were a lot of considerations that went into it. Uh, this was an unprecedented step. Um, first, as you know well, uh, we have to carefully consider whether declassifying the information compromises sources and methods. Second, there was an ongoing election, and many would criticize us for perhaps taking sides in the election. So that had to be carefully considered. One of the candidates, as you recall, was predicting that the election was going to be rigged in some way. And so we were concerned that by making the statement, we might in and of itself be um, uh, challenging the integrity of the, of the election process. Yeah. So the fact that Trump was out there saying, ah, the election the election's rigged, the election's rigged. And then all of a sudden here comes Team Obama saying, the Russians are... Uh, Attacking our election. Now, why would that, why would they not want to get that? If they thought it was going to harm Trump, why wouldn't Team Obama do it that summer? Well, don't forget, every poll, every biased news organization was saying that Trump was going to get his butt handed to him in the election, that the inevitable Hillary Clinton was going to smoke him that Donald Trump didn't have a snowball's chance in Hades of making it right they all thought she was going to win so the last thing that Jay Johnson and Barack Obama and his his incompetent team wanted to do was to to give validity to the charge that Donald Trump was saying which was it's rigged because if Hillary Clinton was to have won, then everybody would be out there, 
uh, marching in the streets saying, it was the Russians, it was the Russians. It was the Russians who gave Hillary the White House. Team Obama admitted it. And they wanted to avoid that. So they waited until a month before the election to make the announcement. And Jay Johnson just admitted, I don't think he meant to do this, but he admitted the motivation right there. You had a guy out there in Donald Trump talking about about the election being uh, rigged. And the last thing they wanted to do was taint Hillary Clinton's occupation of the Oval Office. See, Obama didn't do things for the best interest of the country. He did things for the best interest of his ideology and his party. And he thought that his legacy would be safest with Hillary Clinton. Of course, as you as you now know, since Trump has been in there, Obama's legacy is being peeled away one layer at a time. And thankfully, we're all better for it. But Jay Johnson revealed the reason why the reason why team Obama didn't come out right away and say, hey, the Russians are trying to attack us, which, by the way, they do every single time. They do every single time. Was because they thought she was going to win it and they didn't want to taint Hillary. And if this is such an unprecedented attack, why aren't Democrats asking these questions in open committee? How are they attacking us? What, how is this unprecedented from what the Soviets did, for what Russia has done in the past? Why is it? And then what can we do to defend ourselves? Those questions aren't happening right now. Democrats don't want to, to basically make Russia pay. They want to make Trump pay. They're, they are wildly not curious about how Russia exactly influenced our elections. They just want to hurt Trump. Remember, everybody, society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a grand day. Friday tomorrow. See you then on The Blaze. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On The Blaze Radio Network.